pretty uncertain, yeah. G'day everybody, welcome to Wombat Radio. Today we're at Tempe and we're chilling with Jess Goodfellow. G'day Jess. What's doing, Matt? Uh, people are doing things. Yeah, yeah. I did see a good, doing each a other. good mug one, I hope. I can only hope. But I think when there's so much else to do, like when there's Netflix and there's dirty dishes and there's tax yeah. returns. And embarrassing yourself. Yeah. And making people not like you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot to do, right? Where you end up. Should we start with what you are thinking about? Yeah, sure. Or reading about or what's yeah. occupying your mind. I kind of, I think about it in relationship to what is the lens that you're noticing things. You know, someone's like, look for the color red. Suddenly you realize there's heaps yeah. of red around. Yeah, but I you're think. not missing, you're missing all the blue. You're missing all of it because you're not looking at it. So yeah. what are you looking at? Well, right now I'm thinking about, like in this moment, I can't really concentrate on what you're saying, what you're saying because I'm worried that I'm like making noise oh, through mic the microphone. Noise. No, what's good about these mics is that they are stage mics. Okay. And so they're four rock bands to scream into. And it's meant to look like that. And yeah. that's just yeah. simple. You do whatever you want. Yeah. I enjoy the okay. wrapping thing where they put the thumb knuckle on... crease on that. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And then touch that. Yeah, now it's more of an extension of my body. Mm. Yeah, okay. As the best tools are. Yeah, great. Okay, so, well, now that we've covered the present moment, I'll take it back a tiny bit and say what I said to you before, which is that I'm frightened by the concept of a long-form, candid interview where I don't... Too revealing? I'm going to do something that I regret. Yes, I think that's called life. And that's the general sense I have in my current life. Ah, okay. <laughs> and I've been thinking about this for the past few months that okay. I've reached a point in my own censorship and self-awareness and attempt at precise language that I'm struggling to communicate at all. Okay. Yeah. It's holding me back. But I'm hoping that that's just a, um, what do they call that? Like a learning curve? Mm. Mm-hmm. Something that I will surpass to find a greater clarity. Mm. Al final. Yeah, there's a curve that uh, I think is that musicians refer to where you're, it takes time for your skill to catch up to your taste. So as soon as mm. you become aware of the thing that you want to become, right, there will be a lag. Yeah, that sounds like me in my dancing <laughs> across the entire span of my life. Uh-huh. Um, just hoping one day, you know, imagining in my head that I'm doing 10 pirouettes and one day it might come to fruition. Yeah. There's a thing with head spins and air tracks and things like that, which once you get past a certain amount, it's hard for it to consider it dancing anymore because it's, yeah. it's not musical. I feel like that about ballet. Sorry, I interrupted you. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I would say you extended my thought. Mm. So, what? Um, it's a little bit too easy to shit on ballet for me. Oh. Um, but tell me. Oh, no. I wouldn't dare shit on ballet. Ballet is um, 
it's like the thing that holds me up. I okay. bloody love ballet. <laughs> okay. But I do think of it more as an exercise. Oh, it's like aerobics or style. Yeah, or, or like a form of intense conditioning oh, nice. where your muscles yeah. just melt away if you're mm. not doing it mm. Uh, mm. after a while. And so I think it's like that. It's kind of gymnastic in a way. I mm. think it's limited in its ability to be artistic despite what many claim. Mm. And do you think that comes from the codification and the standardization or the desire for legibility trumping the desire for... <laughs> wow, that's, those are a lot of words, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> okay, a desire for legibility trumping the... Uh, what would I say? The potential spectrum of nuance. So hmm. there's forward diagonal side. Yes, And you're like, yes. hang on, hang on, hang on. There's many, <laughs> many degrees within that. Well, this really ties in well with the thing I was saying about limitations and okay. how limitations in uh, are bliss in a way. Yes. But we'll get to that later. Okay. Hold that thought. Okay. Um ballet i need to think about that question okay. that's a lot to think about you do other dancing though i seen on your instagram you do lots of other dancing i try yeah i uh, try and when do you think that you'll get past trying and that you will have arrived at dancing mm. i think about that myself i've always been uh sort of floating between, well, in my own head, I guess, a high ability and something more mediocre. So, like, I was a ballet girl kind of growing up, but kind of. Like, I was never Australian ballet standard and I was kind of, you know, upper skill level for a group of people who were like commercial dancers maybe and then but if you plonked me into a ballet class I'd kind of suck I reckon and uh I don't what's my point I don't know I don't know I don't I feel mean, like I can call myself a dancer yet especially not in the styles that I would love to such as house I'd love to be a house dancer man Mm. But I just don't, I don't know enough yet. Okay. What's the journey been so far with the desire to be a house dancer? Um, like you saw it and then you went to learn it. Yeah. Or well, went to see it or who was doing yeah, it. Yeah, or... I had a, a deeper desire in my heart since my um, teenage years to endeavor into the uh, street styles of dance. Mm. But I was always held back by this idea that I can't do it because I'm the ballet dancer and that my friends will make fun of me and I'm going to look stupid and I can't put myself through that and all this, I mean, nonsense. It, but yeah. it took me a very long time to realize that it was nonsense and brought myself to a house class. I think my first house class was when I was 19 in London. Mm. Um, I didn't know what house was. Mm. It reminded me of tap dancing. I'd always wanted to be able to do tap. Um, and it gave me that sensation of hitting a 
rhythm in the the way that I see tap dancers feeling it, you know. Mm. Um, and the more I've done it, house seems to oddly. I mean, I'd be able, I'd I'd love to be able to do all of the street styles, popping, mm. fucking love popping. But I'm a twig, um, which is not an excuse. It's not an excuse. <laughs> it's yeah, I uh, I should be able to pop if I put my uh, put my mind to it, and I will one day. Well, um, mind and time and resources. And yeah, purpose. and also being able to put aside this thing in my brain that's saying, oh, my God, just fucking stop. You suck at this. It's horrible to be a beginner, especially when you have a semblance of skill in another field of dancing. Yeah, you know, it's you, only hard you know to be how a beginner that feels. again. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah, fine yeah. It's to be a beginner. Fully. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, fuck. It's, <laughs> we're, just, we're just going D for A. Um, but, no, you asked me about house and, yeah, House was, I mean, I was dabbling in all the different stars that I could try and House was the one that I felt slightly more coordinated in, something to do with like the symmetry of the um, torso in relation to what you're doing with your feet. Mm -hmm. Apparently, ballet dancers have a sort of easier time learning House than, say, a person off the street, but it doesn't, I mean, yeah, I think there's something to do with the way you hold your weight mm. um, that made me feel comfortable in it. And then that led me to trying it more, different people and enjoying the music and loving the look of it and the freedom and the, I mean, house dancers, they do house because they like house music and that's pretty awesome. That's mostly why I dance. Yeah, same. Is from the music. Yeah. And from the friends that I can get to come and dance with me. Mm, yeah. The dancing yeah. is the byproduct of being mm. or becoming. Yeah. So can we talk about aesthetic? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So if we say anchor ourselves in the... Um, fire hose it's turned on full but no one's holding yeah, it yeah I told you I mean you can already see how the anchor is just yeah guys earlier Matt was like so this has been the anchor of the podcast in a few of our recent episodes and he like gave me examples of other people's anchors and motifs for the episode and I said there's not going to be an anchor in mine it will be flying around like a hose in the wind mm. and so it is uh, but I'll try I'll try better to stay on point Aesthetically and energetically, mm. I would say. But what, how that, I mean, the hose is still anchored to something. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, it's we, out of frame though. Oh, the anchor is out of yeah, frame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the tap. That. I like that. When you dance, you're improvising mm. um, and you put it on Instagram. Yeah. And you're throwing yourself around uh-huh. with really quite well-defined and articulated edges of redirection. Oh, thanks. That's fucking sick. <laughs> well, what I mean is it's not a mess. It's, oh, cool. It feels like a mess. Okay. What are you following when you're dancing? 
yeah, I guess I guess you could say that maybe I'm testing the boundaries of those two things. Mm. Um, the sculpt or the shape of my history mm-hmm. alongside the uh, spontaneity of throwing yourself mm. against gravity and also just literally the physical sensation of that freedom mm. and, yeah, responding to the music. And when there's a – so then there's that, but then when there's a camera, there's also a frame of reference, which I imagine that you're yep. aware of. Yeah. And there becomes a front all of a sudden yeah. that you're aware of. And so – can you talk me through that being a layer that's on top of the following mm. the impulse? Right. Well, when I film a little video for myself, it's usually occurring in the context of an hour or two of that improvisation. Mm. And I might just pop it down the front of the room, film the whole thing, and then mm. catch a moment that I like. Mm. Usually it's with a mirror in front. And you know what? I don't mind mirrors. Same. I don't mind. Yeah. I like to look at myself and... Well, if you like to look at dancing and then you're dancing, it yeah. makes sense that you like yeah. to see the dancing that's happening, right? Yeah. Um, and I guess it's the, the little videos I make are just an insight into my training and observing myself in the mirror. Mm. I mean, it's nice when I can catch a moment where it looks like I'm not looking at myself but that's what I'm doing. So, and then the video, I'm just watching it back to look at myself as well. Yeah. Well, a singer can listen to themselves while they sing. Wow. But a dancer yeah. cannot watch themselves yeah. while they dance unless it's yeah. fully frontal. And they can mirrors. feel themselves though. And I like to think that a lot of it is about the feeling. But the feeling mm. is uh, proprioception, not sight. Hmm. And that's where we extend past the five senses in the proprioception. Yeah. Is it's, it's its own defined sense and needs to be trained to um, calibrate with mm. sight so that when you feel that you are that your hands are at the same height, yeah. they visually look like they're at the same height, for example. Yeah. Because you can really... F- for people that have not had the opportunity to calibrate their proprioception with vision, yeah. you can tell. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a good dancer is probably only as good as their proprioception, right? Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep, I would say. So, I guess, I guess there's more to my answer for your question about why I improvise. Well, what other senses are you listening to? Like apart from your sense of hearing for the music and then your sense of proprioception for the impulse and the breath and the gravity mm. and the weight, there's probably some other senses of sight that you're talking about when you're watching yourself. But then when you're not, I imagine there's equilibrium and I imagine there's heat. And Yeah, there's a couple. Oh, well, yeah. I'd say there's more about the music firstly mm-hmm. um, that I I said it in a really dumb way just before. I was like, I'm responding to the music. That's not, I mean... That's really simplifying it. I love music maybe even more than I love dance. And it is my, it's always been my deepest desire to create an embodiment of the music that was um, accurate to the highest degree. And I think that's my favorite dancers, people that can um, 
make it look like they are the music. And that would be a dream of mine among my um, excitement about watching dancers dance to music is not when they are the music, but when the way that they are dancing to the music allows me to hear things that I hadn't heard mm. before in the music because mm. their yeah. uh, weighting of certain elements physically mm. brings to the foreground mm. um, oral. Right. Yeah, textures or layers or sounds or <laughs> which I guess is like lyrical versus just dancing to the hats versus mm. Ooh, dancing to the hats. <laughs> the high hats. I'm I'm in there. I, I think I dance to the hats, man. Yeah, right. Um Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's a what sense is this? There's a more a way more vague underlying current as I improvise. Mm. Well, this is what people always talk about, right? It's the the zone where you're free of thought. And I think that's why a lot of people dance, right? I feel like it's a kind of meditation where I'm finally not riddled with layers of thought that just keep on going it's really like i can tune into a nothingness mm. the, it feels great the lyrics of hotel california is that some dance to remember some dance to forget mm. and so i like to think that yeah. that's happening simultaneously that you're dancing to remember this zone in which you can forget yeah. yep 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 all word word <laughs> word drop the mic you find yeah, the mic to yeah, drop yeah. um yeah. But but in that, when you are in the zone that allows you to stop thinking, I imagine what you mean by thinking is second guessing. Yeah. I also just um having words in my head. Thinking with words. Thinking with words. Mm. Um Yeah. This is my reservation in employing a dramaturg for projects that I'm trying to make is that they will want me to justify through words what my (laughs) process is. And I'm saying, no, 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 I've thought about it with With physicality or with visuals or with Mm. the electricity between us Uh or whatever. Oh, yes. And to, to... if it feels right, it's right. That doesn't mean that I need to somehow reduce it into words to re-justify it because what that does mm. is make a hierarchy of modes of thought. I suppose so. It also is our best form of communication at this point. Though. I would say well, it's our okay. most precise form of communication, but I wouldn't mm. say that it's our um, that, that the hammer is the best tool to undo a screw. Right, right, right. Yeah, you yeah, can yeah, you can yeah. definitely disconnect some shit with a hammer by just yeah. knocking it apart, as language can do. Mm. But there's, I it's when it's a, I think language sits in a place where the conscious mind will defend itself against challenging ideas, and uh-huh. language has to get th- past the conscious mind, yeah. whereas 
the things that we say, we use language like it, that it melts your heart, for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that yeah. sidesteps all that shit. Yeah. And you feel... Yeah, fully. Is that... Would you say that's what you're doing in this radio <laughs> is? <laughs> like you're trying to somehow define without judgment those layers that are deemed uh, less worthy than th- words are. I think yes and no. I think there's a little bit of a... a gender of mine to do exactly the opposite of what I just advocated for, which is to ask dancers to articulate themselves precisely mm. in okay. language. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, what I hope that it's doing is asking the embodied, the practitioners who are working from a point of embodied knowledge and wisdom and thought, uh, to tell them that they are the spokespeople for their practice, not academics and not critics, Mm. and that those people's language is words and so their words may sound more defendable. Right, But because you are speaking from experience, um, you have an authority even if you don't have a a fanciness. (laughs) Yeah, I see what you're saying. I think it's only about hearing from the embodied, from from the body itself. But mm. does that is that what you're doing in your interview sessions? What's your agenda? I fuck. It's a big question. Well, you're I don't know, like there's you're a squirrelian agendas. Four or five episodes was, in, and yeah. I'm over two hundred episodes in, so yeah, I've practiced I guess a bit that's more. True. That's also happens with age. Apparently, this happened on that um. Uh, generation game show where they had to somehow find 60-year-olds who wouldn't have that 30-year advantage over a 30-year-old of extra knowledge and wisdom and experience and Mm. life exposure and stuff because things just take time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, tell me about your agenda. I guess my agenda will kind of unfurl. itself. Yeah. Yeah. but what could I say? I guess you have an agenda in the people that you ask. Yeah, I mean, I, I really don't want that to seem like a thing because I've, I've already received that as a criticism that in giving people who I believe deserve a voice, yeah. I am becoming the judge at the top of my own hierarchy. But you are also the person who invites or does not invite people into your own house. That's true. And so in that situation, we allow you to be the judge. And if this is an extension of, like, well, why is that a bad thing is what exactly. I'm saying. Like, I have the, a uh, lot of thoughts about a comment like that. <laughs> I could write an entire essay on why. I mean, I the other agenda is just to invite people who are going to make a lot of ad money revenue for you who are famous, who are going to like, so you can steal their legitimacy. Well, I mean, none of that matters to me anyway. It's like, that's, (laughs) I think that's a huge, a huge element of what I'm trying to craft is this idea of like false celebrity 
and trying to reveal how. I mean, Amy Zhang's pretty legit celebrity. Yeah, from, she's a fucking celeb, <laughs> exactly. But I think there's a tendency in journalism to hold the interviewee up as this um, thing that we have to admire, mm. and in doing that, you're also not giving them what their chance to say what they want to say no, or to think more deeply about their yeah exactly and if we can see each other eye to eye as just another person and that's why i am your host and who am i it doesn't matter <laughs> because i thought that the first thing people are going to say when they see this show of mine is who is this bitch like what what has she done for dance what has she achieved? Things like that. Yeah. And that's the whole point. Did you ever think, fuck the haters? Uh, no. No. Okay. That's nice. No, I can't. I definitely realize that I can't deal with hate. I like okay. to think that I could. Okay. But my first slight hate that I received, I broke down for days and rethought the entire process okay it was helpful though was it or was, <laughs> or was i it? think it probably was okay. i think it probably was but but there's uh yeah. there's uh there's a way to get on board with your efforts to make them better rather than to tear down your efforts yeah and i think that person had that kind of intention sometimes i invite those people on the show oh i did i said come on but i'm not we'll see where that goes we'll see if it happens um okay how do you deal with confrontation generally oh fucking love it hey yeah i mean i I, that maybe that was the wrong response. I can't tell if you're being cynical or if you're just trying to live up to a, like your ideal best version of yourself. Yeah, that's it. It's the second okay. one. Okay. Like I don't. It makes me freak out, but at the same time, I'm gonna get my teeth stuck into it. <laughs> if someone comes at me in real life, okay, I'm here for it. Like, take and do me people on. People do that about your dancing. No. About my dancing, no. Choreography, no. Uh, nah. How was your that show happened. that you did with Callum? That was fun, man. How was that received? It was a big deal to me because I think, thank God, I've I've kind of gotten past this idea of feeling like I need to prove myself or anything. Oh, that will come back up. Uh-huh. Uh, at different stages in yeah, life. Yeah, yeah. I imagine um, because the... Sometimes you do have to, like, you have to prove yourself to a landlord so that they let you move yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. And then some other times <laughs> you shouldn't have to prove yourself, like, to your family. Well, here's one. In the context of my identity as a dancer, yes. I feel like, um, you know, even coming on a little show like this, it's like, well, where did Jess, like, train? Where did you train? Um, what companies have we you performed with? We can talk about with? that if you want. You, did, you never did that. so <laughs> so. Well, that which doesn't is validate good. you to me. Yeah, yeah. But I guess I feel like I have to defend my, um, um, what's the word I'm looking at? It's a simple Legitimacy? word. Legitimacy? Yeah. Uh, um, my um, Pedigree? 
ability isn't the word, but I'll use it. Ability to say something about dance or like... Um, authority. Authority, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, because the truth is I fucking plateaued at a pre-professional level of dance. I mean, in my accolades. And as much as I could you say... Mean recognition you from know, outside or do you mean in your... Yeah, continued development as a dancer. Recognition, I think, okay. like things that I could say I've done, I've oh, achieved. Oh, you got recognized early and then people stopped paying attention. Oh, no, no. I'm saying like I I went to high school. Yes. I did a full-time year. I did two years in a junior company, yeah. which was considered a pre-professional level. And then I quit, dude, I, in in the like After company life. Stopped graduate. I did. You did graduate. I I didn't do uni for dance. No, I mean the pre-professional. The yeah, I did company. that. I did a year of that. But yeah. but yeah, I've I've never been able to I couldn't say I've been in this I've been in fucking Netherlands dance theater. Like I couldn't say any of those things. And as much as I could say, oh, if I wanted to, I could audition and I probably would have the skills to be in one of those companies that I'd always dreamed of. Mm. I'm not there anymore and I don't think I should force myself to interest. claim that I could have oh, you're too old. done that. I'm not there in my interest. Okay. that's Yeah, that makes more sense to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's no longer my it's, – it's not the driving force that I would like to be in a dance company of Ooh, any kind of – Okay. So then let's talk about your driving force. Um, I guess having fun. Amen. And I wasn't having fun. I wasn't having fun doing other people's moves. I wasn't having fun being a number, not having a voice. Mm. It, as it turned out, I wanted to speak. I was very uncomfortable with auditioning in front of a panel and having them, um, tear down everything they were seeing and trying to analyze my actions in the room without me having a chance to just say what was going through my head Mm -hmm. because I always believed if I had a chance to speak to the panel they'd fucking take me dude but I didn't you know and do you think that that uh, level of consideration of their silent and analytics of you feeds into the that that voice has continued embodied, internalized, I mean. So that 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 consideration of what are they thinking when they look at me has become, okay, what is it that I look like? Yeah, I think, I guess it it's It's all happening at once, but that was really destructive in a sense but at the same time this is something i've been thinking about a lot and i still don't have a conclusion i was really obsessed with batsheva like next level obsessed with gaga and i think you can probably see that in my aesthetic which i don't want to be confuses me is that you still wear pants and that's why i don't see (laughs) batsheva because for some reason all of those companies the girls are not allowed to wear pants they just have what do to you wear. Mean? They have to wear like undies and like oh. flowy tops that barely cover them until they lift their arms and then oh, it doesn't right. cover them. <laughs> so there's like there's a misogyny at play oh, that I don't oh, see. Oh, I don't agree with that. 
Okay. Mm. I mean, in the aesthetic, I don't know how the company runs. Um, That's an interesting way to (laughs) break it down. (laughs) Really kind of just simplify it down to the pants. I mean, I could talk about Gaga and Ohad forever. Okay. um, But do you think that's just about the timing of your training? Yeah, maybe. that's who was big. Oh, no. 10 years ago, someone else? Nah, nah, nah. Fuck. No, fuck no. If you were born 10 years later. Ohad is the Don. Okay, so in 10 years' time, if you were born 10 years later. still be the Don, You would have somehow found an old DVD and been like, what is this? This is it. Okay, okay. So let's. There's so many things that I could say here. Yes, yeah, I am. So right, this... my my obsession with Gaga just yeah. so happened to coincide with an enormous cult like following for Gaga that exploded at the time. Okay. I'm not a, a saying that you don't have a genuine interest mm. at all, and that it doesn't resonate with you. That, I'm not accusing you of getting right. on the bandwagon. Sorry. That's what I thought. So I'm sorry. No, that's okay. I don't mean that. <laughs> um, what do I mean? What I'm trying to do here is associate myself with Ohad and make okay. people think that I think like he thinks. Okay. And that but I should be as famous as him. That last sentence can happen without those first two sentences. I'd like to tether myself to Ohad <laughs> if I can. <laughs> I'll let's. I'm going to keep telling my my story. Of it might course. help. Yeah, like what was the the point at which you decided you didn't want to keep auditioning and try to get into when the I was disgusting myself with who I was becoming. Mm. So there was a whole process of I first audition when I was 19 mm. after doing my first Gaga workshop. Mm-hmm. In Australia, mm-hmm. I just flew straight to Israel, yeah. didn't know anyone, got to the end. I thought, I mean, and this is why it really fucked me up. I thought, this is mine. Like, I'm going to get this. And, you know, the audition was huge and it was three days long, two days long maybe. Wow. Really fucking big stuff. And I'd never been to something like that. That I'd never seen this caliber of dancer mm-hmm. and I just felt like I'd – somehow slipped through. To be fair, I did know one girl on the panel and she was the only person I had known in the whole thing and it was super lucky and I feel like, shout-outs to Rachel Osborne, <laughs> I think she might have put in a good word for me, which was lovely. But anyway, I yeah went through that whole process very naively, A lot had a lot less skill than I might have now. Um, and... At the end, they tell you, we'll come back to you in a month with an answer. And for that month, I was fucking certain. I was like, I got I got the place in the Bachelor Ensemble, dude. And then I didn't. I didn't get it. I got my no email, which just made me feel so sick in my stomach. And I realized this, this idea of myself that I'd cultivated in my mind was so off. And then I traveled the world for a few months um, and ended up, in a different dance company in Spain mm-hmm. where I was – which I had chosen because they do OHAD rep. Mm-hmm. Like that was my main pull. And in doing that, I realized that 
I couldn't enjoy the rap if I wasn't in the place where the rap had started. I hated the way it was being mm. taught to me through someone else's siphon uh, and that they were missing his intentions, in my opinion. But also then I did – it just it – just, Gaga kept following me slash I kept following Gaga. I did the strut dance project with mm. Batsheva um, back in 2016. Then I performed his rep for two years in that company, which was a pretty – I mean, it was interesting because the work really um, spoke for itself and no matter how you performed it, the audience would give you a standing ovation because it was just so exceptionally crafted, I would say. Um, And then, yeah, during that time, I was working myself up to audition again, Mm -hmm. spent a long time, maybe, I'd say I spent about four months in total back and forth I'd go to Tel Aviv when I was on my holidays and rehearse with or I'd watch the rehearsals or I'd do that thing where you get up and you try and show yourself by learning the rep with the company Mm. um which all the while was making me feel very gross because I felt like I was um doing something contrived and Mm. something that I didn't want to do like, do you really want to get up there and pretend to be interested in, in the rehearsal and want to learn the steps if you're not actually a part of the team and you're just doing it so that maybe the person who's, like, the leader in the room will see you for a moment and tell someone else that you were good and you should be looked at in the audition. Anyway, mm. I ended up auditioning again um, in to that what year is it it's 2020 mm. 2019 2018 it must have been 2018 and the same thing happened i got all the way to the end and this time i'd gone through a whole process of um believing in manifestation mm-hmm. and that i could become the person that they wanted um and i'd observed that oh had seemed to like cats who didn't care if they got in or not people who had this like confidence about them that was just like fuck you all and they would always seem to get the spot and I was like well I'm already past the chance of me being a person who can be like that so I need to pretend I'm a person that can be like that so I worked myself up into this like expressing my weirdness and quirkiness thing um, because I was a very meek and um, self-conscious person and dancer up until that point. And I was always very apologetic. Teachers would tell me like, oh, you need to stop dancing like you're sorry about something. And, um, and I always had this assumption that people were better than me and I mean, yuck. I mean, insecurity is so gross. And hearing someone tell you their insecurities as a like a way to get sympathy is also very gross. Um, and I feel like that it sounds like that's what I'm doing and maybe it is. Uh, but, yeah, I was increasingly becoming grossed out 
by my insecurities that it led me to go on this journey of identity with the goal being Batsheva, but inadvertently it assisted me in my life to get me to the point where I am now, I guess, in terms of um, confidence. If confidence exists, confidence is like a really, um, it's a huge topic which it's it's another topic of conversation this concept of confidence but anyway I didn't get I I went to the end of that audition didn't get it again and I thought all right I'm gonna cap the experience off here like maybe I could go audition again another year I'd heard that like you know there's a person in the ensemble who's auditioned five times and she didn't get in until the fifth time and now she's in the company. Like that that stuff happens and I do think they play with like you got to audition a couple times before you've proven that you really want it. Um, but I was like, I'm that's not me. I'm not doing that again, man. And I it aligned with me finishing this two years in this junior company. It was a two-year program. Like you kind of get pushed up first year, second year, then you quit. And you do an audition tour. So I was auditioning for Batsheva. I did a few other cattle call things and they all made me feel disgusting. And I thought, Batsheva is the only thing I want. I'm not going to take something that feels subpar. And so when I didn't get it, I was like, this is a cue to just fucking leave it and move on with my life. And yeah, so I'm still trying to understand what, the purpose of that journey was and I was so convinced in my soul that I could manifest a place in the Batsheva Ensemble but I've gotten to a point now which is not many years later where I feel like it's no longer what I want and if I was offered a contract tomorrow I don't know if that would excite me which is wild I think I after I auditioned I felt like I should just go back one more time to see how it felt so the audition was in February my company finished in August and then I went back to Tel Aviv for one more fortnight of hanging out with the company thinking that maybe I could do an audition online or something when I came back to Australia because I still kind of wanted it and that was in September and suddenly the whole thing just felt so stale. The things about the city that were making my heart sing, all the cats on the street just kind of seemed gross. Mm. And the smells that had previously seemed um, raw and they, yeah, they just smelled. <laughs> and so I was finally seeing like this construction and and how it actually was just a dance company like any other with rehearsals and that there was a life that I could be living in that place that would just be as bad as any other company experience because I don't think I'm a company dancer that's a long story I hope it answers your question a little more I, yeah, and I had this um, really strong intention to prove myself against the other people 
who seemed like they were into Gaga for the wrong reasons. I believed that I was the one who understood what Ohad's philosophy was more than anyone else and that I was going to prove to them that I really got it, you know. And if I, if they could only just listen to me a bit more or I could have more chance to say my thing, then they'll accept me as a person that deserves a spot. And I realized how disgusting that is and how um, judgmental of me that is to assume that everyone else isn't feeling the exact same way as me. Mm. Yeah. And that's kind of where I'm at now, still struggling with this idea that my external projections of the of how I see the world and judge everything are just coming from this deeper judgment of myself, mm. which I can't seem to escape. When we were talking about your aesthetic of uh, carefree on the bordering on careless, Mm. (laughs) do you think that that is a side effect of this journey? That the performance of the need to, the thought that the need to perform disinterest while harboring deep desire and interest that that has become a tenant of. Hmm. That's interesting. I actually don't think that um, that I, that it's performative in that way. I'm more um, I'm more curious about uh, breaking my history and finding the infinite pathways. That's always been my endeavor, and I think Gaga aesthetic assisted me to find something closer to the infinite. Um, I don't think that I'm trying to uh, be anti-anything when I dance and I'm definitely not trying to um, destroy. I guess I was thinking in terms of self being self-conscious. Uh, uh, mm. And the overperformance of the overcorrecting for being self-conscious. Mm. Well, maybe that's why I like improvisation because you can't really be like that. Mm. You see it in students when I try and teach like kids who haven't improvised before or when I was a student l- learning to improvise or I think what you're doing is learning to shut off that part of your brain that's correcting everything mm. because – the only way you can continue to move is if you open yourself to it not being perfect. Mm. And I guess in every other essence of my life, I'm trying to strive for perfection. Uh, and the more you try to be perfect in, in your dance, it literally stunts you. You can't do anything. You just physically stop. And there's certainly days where I catch that, like, I see myself in the mirror and I'm like, oh, fuck this. I can't dance today. I won't be able to go anywhere. Mm. What do you do then? 
on those cry, days? Cry. Okay. Listen to music, lie on the floor, cry. What kind of music? I mean, for every video of me <laughs> dancing on my Instagram, me, yeah. there is another video <laughs> in, <laughs> oh, probably on the same day of me bawling my eyes out on the floor. Uh, sounds cathartic. Yeah, I cry a lot. Mm. I cry all the time. I've been thinking, actually, yeah. I, this is just a side note. I won't let this steer the conversation any further, but how, you know, there's so much balance in everything, and I do think that there is sadness in everything. Mm. And I love humor, but I think, you know, they say that you try to make people laugh so that you don't cry all the time yourself. Mm. Mm. And I think... Yeah, everything is tragic. Yeah, well, that's that's every Shakespearean comedy, right? Mm. It's a tragedy. Yeah. Yeah. How do you make people laugh? I don't know. I try. Yeah. Uh, how do I? Yeah, like personally? do you put it, like is it in your choreography or in your the way that you run a rehearsal or uh I think if I ever make people laugh, it's usually uh, that I'm doing something so ridiculous they can't fathom that a person is allowing themselves to be seen this way Mm. a lot of the time. It's like, oh, my God, I wouldn't do that if I were her. It's a a shock factor. Okay, so shock is powerful. In, and in the same way, it's like that person can see themselves in you, but they they only realize in that moment that it could have been them. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. I, I love people making fun of themselves. That's my favorite. Um, not in a way that puts themselves down. Mm. I learned that a while ago that I was – Finding myself in this um, self, what's the word? That deprecating. Was? Yeah, deprecating mm-hmm. sense of humor that was just making me feel gross. Yeah. Um, so it's not that, but I like, I love when you can't tell if someone is taking the piss or not. Like if you if you don't know whether whether they know or they don't know mm-hmm. what they're doing. Mm. I love like Tim and Eric, Eric Andre, fucking who else? I mean, they're at the extreme end of the thing. I can't think of anyone off the top of my head. I love Chris D'Elia, mm. the comedian who's just been dragged and we'll see where that news goes, but it's devastating. ton of chicks on Twitter called him out for kind of soliciting nudes and the likes. It's nothing's been pro- innocent till proven guilty, of course, but... Yeah. What? What's the problem? From were they underage or were they not consensual or what? They were uh, somewhat underage without him knowing, it seems. Uh at this point, there's no evidence that he actually – it just – it's there's so many stories of these different yeah. girls being like, he invited me out to the show, he gave me a free ticket, 
Uh, and then he tried to get me to come back to his place and then he was pissed off when I didn't come. Uh-huh. No claims that he'd actually done anything, but it was all kind of grooming messages and stuff. Yeah, right. And I think uh, regardless of the outcome, yeah. his career's over. Well, for now, we'll see. Yeah. Most I'm, these, I'm very curious to see how he can get out of it. Bounce back eventually. Yeah, this one's going to be tough. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I like people that can make fun of themselves, and I think humor is dope and powerful and yeah. transformative. Yeah. Yeah. Perhaps more than anything else. How do you put that in your shows? Does it just does funny shit just happen in rehearsals, and then you're like, "That's in." Yeah. Well, actually, Callum and I made this show we called Jeppy Peppy. Um which was kind of that we discarded the idea of a narrative Mm. and we allowed ourselves to do whatever came to our minds in the moment. And it resulted in this really stupid show that entertained our crowd, I think, it seemed. Uh, And it was, yeah, it was nice to have that freedom, I guess. Why were, what do you think was uh, contributed to that you were working from a place of thinking that you needed a narrative at all? Mm. People told us along Mm, the way when they came and watched rehearsals that what's the story? Who are you? Yeah, it was really like a, I mean, I don't, I wouldn't want to toot our horns but it was a bit of a combo of stand-up comedy almost cool. with dance. That's like cool. it was r- ridiculous. Roman Solo was also. Did you see Roman? I didn't see Clue it Roman. and I wanted to, eh? Okay. Also had a lot of clowning and stand-up comedy. Yeah. And the it's like the physicality of the choreography moved back and forward between the clowning and the stand-up comedy and then just the uh, like dancers can just go further because they have more capacity for movement and for stringing Mm. it together. Yeah, and I don't think it's been done so much. I'd love to see more of it. Well, that's what you're doing, right? Yeah. Okay, so when are you going to do more of it? This December, hopefully. Yeah? Yeah, we've written our second show. Oh, shit! How do you write it? Do you like you sit down and write it? Or yeah, you have to we kind of sit down, okay. fuck around, okay, and entertain each other. Like yeah, perform for whatever each other. makes each other laugh. Yeah. Like the rehearsal process for our first show, just we were just pissing ourselves the whole time. Okay, and it was weird because we we didn't really reveal it to many people. We had maybe like one or two people come in before the performance yeah. for advice, and aside from that. We didn't know if anyone was going to laugh or if it was just us that found it funny. Mm. And then, of course, the experience of performing it in front of an audience is completely different to how you anticipated. And they would laugh at things that we had no idea anyone would ever laugh at. Mm. And they, you know, they miss things that we loved oh. sometimes. Um, how dare they? How disrespectful. Yeah. Where, where are you performing? 
We perf- we actually performed at Brand X, the Flying right on, Nun. Right on. Classic. They're, they're awesome. Yeah, that used the to be called Heffron Hall. Awesome. In um, off, uh, Oxford Street. Hmm. Yeah, it used to be called Heffron Hall, and it would have quite frequent um, improvisation performance nights right. and nice. such. And up the end where it's all now plush and like behind curtains. Yeah. That was your old town hall slightly raised stage. Oh. And so there was, and the floor wasn't so nice. It didn't have to be so uh, careful. Cool. And there were snacks. Yeah, it was great. Sydney used to have many more snacks (laughs) at all of the shows. We actually had snacks at our shows. We bought bought Aldi snacks and sat them in bowls. Wow. This would have been before Aldi was in Australia. Oh, right. Wait. Yeah. Surprisingly, Aldi is a privately owned company. Woolworths and Coles, they're publicly traded. You can buy shares. But uh-huh. Aldi, no. Yeah, Aldi's on something family. else, man. Yeah. There's, and there's Aldi North and Aldi Sud. Yeah. <laughs> and they're, they're, they're like a faction of a family that split off and decided whether one wanted to like keep everything cheap and basic so that Mm -hmm. everyone had access and one wanted to see if they could make it more zhuzhi like the macro organic Woolworths yeah yeah side note yeah (laughs) (laughs) Um, Um, is there anything that we haven't talked about that you want to talk about I want to talk about like epiphanies insights or what you well i mean we did touch on this slightly for a second about the five senses i've been thinking about how should we see how many other senses we can think of well i think firstly we just need to taper in on the fact that there are these five senses that do a lot well there's many more yeah i think it was aristotle who proposed five but then people kept finding them and announcing them and codifying them since then but that's not what we get taught. I guess so. Well, I mean... Like in your own body. If there weren't five, then why don't we... There's at least five, is what I'm saying. I mean, they're big, they're big though. I mean, like you can see them, man. Like my <laughs> eyes, they're there, you know? Yeah, but if you... Like if your inner ear gets infected, then your sense of balance goes. Yeah. And you can feel whether you're on balance or not. And that's why people go on um, roller coasters because that fucks with this little bit of fluid in your inner ear. And then you feel like, yeah. I'm upside down. But then that's that's feeling. That's almost the same as you touch, You think it's right? the same as touch. But then you would have to say that taste and sight is an extension of touch because your eyes used to be skin cells. And all that is happening on your eyes is that when photons hit them, they are being excited. And (laughs) the same thing happens for your skin, right? Your eyes are just very sensitive skin. Right. If you're saying that Mm. it's touch, then everything's touch. Well, I mean, I yeah. Like your hearing is actual (laughs) air molecules pushing against your eardrum. Mm. Like I say something, it hits some air, some air hits some other air, some air hits some other air. And that hits your eardrum. Yeah. So maybe there's something romantic in thinking that everything is touch. Right. Well, here's my thought of the moment. Great. Right? Yeah. And this is probably... Anyway. We're riffing. Um, Don't self-censor yet. 
yeah. <laughs> I've just been thinking about how if you closed your eyes and your nose, yes. you could just as well be lying in a pile of shit yeah. or in some mansion in the hills in Tuscany. Yeah. And the only thing separating us from that reality is these finite senses. Mm. And life would be so boring if you only had one of them or if you had to remove the sensation from its context and its meaning that is woven into it, right? Mm. I mean, when you hear uh, blind people talk about their experience of life, it sounds incredible and rich and amazing, but my thought is that like imagine if the depth that you see mm. was flattened down you were just seeing the world in cartoon or 2d it's it's not anywhere near as meaningful as how uh we experience it and then why because the senses are so like it should be so boring that's what i feel like it's so limited you can see you know what is it uv to infrared mm. or the opposite way around like you yeah. have that limited spectrum limit. of yeah. color you have 20, a, 20 hertz to 20,000 hertz that limit, you can hear. same with the frequencies yeah. same with the heat and cold it's it's like also limited and then inside of that limitation that's the bliss as well because mm. if it was any more open yeah. there'd be too much you know if life was if our lifespans were longer we wouldn't be striving for the things that we are. The context would be completely different. What would mm. you do if your life was, if everyone's life was going to be infinite? Mm. How would we react to an accidental death, like, or illness? That would be different if we didn't have the context of knowing we're going to die anyway. Mm. And so, I guess, limitation is bliss as well. Do you think that is what makes for bad and unimaginative dance shows by companies that have too big a budgets? Hmm. They don't have enough limitations, apart mm. from maybe time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man, absolutely. Well, it's like how they, you know, the stereotype of a stand-up comic who's had a terrible childhood or... Yeah, right, stereotypes. Um, yeah. Like... It requires that excess, the the extra. Like that's why Callum and I loved our show because we had no budget yeah. and we had no advertising and an audience of a hundred people, and we could really but fuck around of your with biggest that. Fans, absolutely, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And and so, what we could create with that situation was so funny to us, mm. you know, more than anything a budget could do. Mm. Mm. I need to pee. Let's take a break. Oh, you want to finish? No, I don't want to finish. Oh, okay. <laughs> Only if you do. No, let's take a break. You can also decide the direction if you feel. I would like to say yes. that I feel like I... um. I cut 
the possibility of an open conversation short when I told you I thought there were only five senses and I want to hear what the other ones are. <laughs> I noticed that as well. I was like, oh, she's not interested that no, there's more No, I'm so interested. Five. I'm sorry. Well, no, that was also – that was – interesting in itself this is what i worked out the other day with someone when i was saying that i'd met someone they know and that we had almost had a disagreement and then they said oh i thought you were going to say you had an argument i was like no well you have to push to get to argument stage <laughs> you can disagree with someone but then just get on board no i don't <laughs> i don't even disagree with you either i'm just fucking around eh uh, I think, well, apparently heat is different to chili. The way that we sense spice on our tongues is a different sense than taste. Mm. It works along a different pathway. And I would say there are some senses that overlap. Our sense of, uh, what's the word? What was it? temperature Mm, i was thinking about that is that our sense of temperature is actually an extension of our sense of pressure because the temperature of air is in relationship to the air pressure Mm, not not in terms of what do i mean by that that's not scientifically accurate the way that i just said Uh it that's incorrect what i mean is mm, about like It's not – so I think when we thought about five senses, we were still in this time of thinking that the earth or the sun or whatever, like we had centered ourselves deeply. Mm. And the five senses are of that time. Right. And actually there's a lot of things affecting us and – it's interesting to think about how we can perceive those things rather than what we are feeling and those feelings being the definition of what those things are. Yeah. Like how can things have their own definition? Yeah. Is there a sensation for feeling what's wet? Like something is more wet than not wet. Yeah. I don't know, but this might have something to do with it which is conduction of heat away from you as you touch something. Yeah. Gives yeah. the sense of something being cold. Yeah. And yeah, I've seen that, that experiment. Might, that might also YouTube. be the same with wetness, that mm. there's a conduction going on. Mm. Like blankets are not warm. They just trap the heat that you're generating. Yeah. Unless yeah. they're electric blankets. Um, but I grew up in the tropics, so there's not – like wet didn't mean cold to me in a way that most people who grew up in uh, southern parts of Australia. Well, I mean, wet is moist and humid sometimes. Yeah, all the time in my experience. Right, yeah. But like, yeah. Like my default was to wear thongs on a wet day, not rug up. Right, yeah. Boots and a jacket. Yep. But you needed to take a jacket for when you went inside because the shopping centre was so air-conditioned. Wow. <laughs> you got cold. What do you think about living in Sydney and being a dancer and making 
live shows for people oh, to come and see? You know, I don't know. Mm. I'm trying to be on a journey of uh, int- deep introspection and I am strongly of the belief that it's a better outcome if you search inwards before trying to change the world, which I guess seems antithetical because I'm creating this podcast which, you know. Has an agenda. Seems, yeah. That we haven't spoken about. Yeah, but. Tell me. Let's talk about the agenda. Uh, well, I guess I don't know. Maybe it's an extension of what I just said yeah. that I'm trying to search inwards and I'm trying to maybe assist my world in doing that search for themselves, which is funny, in it? <laughs> you know what I mean? I just, I, and I notice myself doing it all the time. No, no one can't do it. But when you observe everything and you go this is wrong we need to change this you should be doing this i mean there's so many examples of that everywhere um you know dancers need more funding like make good work first how's that well it's it's an admirable goal um to make good work but my understanding is that there is nothing less quantifiable than art. Yeah. 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 Which is its power. Mm. But it's um, also its burden. Yes. Because it leaves it wide open to nepotism and favoritism. and. Well, and I think you've got to be aware of I the... Am country we live in and it's psyche uh yeah and And the way they're going to respond to you and your musings if you want to call it that you know your musings yeah yeah you know like it's all well and good being like oh well in europe you know the scene is like this Mm. but it's like okay in europe people are Smoking joints at 10 a.m. And in Europe, nobody's wearing suits. Oh, if you go to the business side of town, they're wearing suits. Like, there's still business that happens. Yeah. In Europe, kids swear. And parents swear to their kids. Oh, really? But I don't know much about Europe. (laughs) Who am I? I don't know. Yeah, I think you've got to consider the whole situation of everything all the time and that's why it's better to just start with yourself. I see. Okay, this makes sense. How do you get from the point of considering self to embodied practice, to crafting live performance to share Mm. with viewers? Hmm. Hmm. Well, as much as everything I said, I do believe (laughs) a lot of this is all just a construction. And for me, a really um, uh, complicated, layered ego trip, you know, like I want people to think that I'm this way because this is the kind of person I want to be seen as. And I'm putting on a show to 
you know, send a message or make people feel good. But really, I want people to look at me. Mm-hmm. And it all comes from there. But perhaps there's some... Like, it's not uh, unhonorable. That's the wrong word. Uh, in that you're... You have a preference goal um, that you're trying to reach with who, with how people see you, and then that forms a basis for how to be better, and that you will grow into becoming mm. the person that you want to yeah, be seen as. That's the hope, which is the basis of a vengeful God, right? <laughs> is that and luckily God can see everything all the time. Yeah, yeah. And so you better pretend to be good all the time, which means that you're just good. Yeah, well then this brings in the whole concept of the shadow. Okay. Carl yeah. Jung. Yes. Jung. Do you know this Jung? Uh, yeah, Jung. <laughs> um and I yeah. still don't know enough about it, but I kind of it resonates very strongly with me, this idea that uh, we all have a shadow and mm. the more you can acknowledge it and become one with it, the more whole you are. Mm. And the more uh, of a grip you have on what genuine morality is. Can't morality be boiled down into empathy? Or no, I'm simplifying. Um, Maybe I'm oversimplifying. I yeah, I guess yeah. That's that's yeah. Because morality under any other guise can so quickly become twisted to uh, power structures that seek to enforce a mm. lesson upon their subjugates. Well, yes, it's getting. I I like I'm kind of I know what exactly what you're saying and yeah. I think that that's great but I don't know if we currently live in a world that can see morality as purely empathy. I don't know. Perhaps we could do I'm proposing that we could do away with morality if we could um yeah. operate from empathy and compassion. Yeah. Empathy-based compassion. Well, is, yeah, and then it's like, what's your definition of empathy versus mine? And uh, then you have to wrestle with what everyone else is thinking of your idea of yeah. empathy. Well, that's what collaborating is, right? You either have a structural hierarchy of a company or you have collaborators and you make the shows mm. unfunded to make each other giggle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Where were we? I've forgotten the point of this. <laughs> Does this ever happen on your show? No. I I don't think I've gotten this deep into it with a guest yet. But you focus on their... I'd love to get here. If it happens, it happens. Mm-hmm. It really is what they, whatever they want to do, wherever they want to take it. Okay. Whereas I'm taking us somewhere. No, oh. nah, this is the same. Oh, okay. This is where you want to go. I'd, I'd say this is where I want to go. 
How would I know? <laughs> How do you think about what's your movement and what's been enforced and inflicted upon you? Oh, this is like the whole free will. No, I think argument. this is about improvising. And when are you improvising from impulse and when are you mm. performing uh, pathways that have become ingrained through training? Yeah. So I would say if I like it, then I'm fine with it. And if I don't like it, then that's been imprinted upon me. <laughs> yeah, 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 fully, fully. Because <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm like freestyling and I bust a move that I've obviously had to learn how to do, yeah. but I think it's dope then I'll still do it. Yeah. And enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, exactly. That's it. You want to You want to become throw away the blame. <laughs> I was fixated on this about 2 years ago. It's kind of fading into the distance now, but this ballet history of mine was just revealing itself all it, the time it colonized in my dance. your body yeah it colonized yeah. my body yeah and it I was i do think it's just another colonial form gross yeah, and gross. i would catch myself and that's why video was so helpful because mm. i wasn't even feeling it and then i can see it and now i feel what i saw myself doing and i try not to repeat it or i try to work through the repetition and i yeah so i guess as much as i did I deny aesthetic earlier because I watch a lot of other dancers and there'll be half the moves that I like and half I go, Ugh. and when I feel myself do that, I mean, it's untouchable. I don't know what it is, but I'm definitely avoiding mm. an aesthetic as much as I'm striving for one. Mm. But that's where you begin, and, right? You and, begin in moving away until before yeah. what you're moving towards ever comes into sight. <laughs> and I think I'm um, – fuck, I've lost, I've lost the thought. I had a thought for a second about how I think the aesthetic that uh, makes me feel gross in my own movement is something that – feels contrived and comes from a dishonest place and I think unknown or un, uh, unstructured movement hence the throwing of weight mm. it has no uh, tie to any previous intention like, you know, there's, there's like all the different styles of dance. And if you see me do, you know, a reach and a tondu in my improv, you go, well, that's just, she's just parroting what has been drummed into her. Mm. But if I was to do something that you've never seen before, then it's like, well, that's coming from a more genuine impulse in her body and i think that the more styles i can learn mm. the more i'm able to mask mm. this sense that i'm a parrot but i think if someone's never seen ballet before then they wouldn't recognize it as ballet no 
So it's really up to their exposure to the most colonizing of dance forms and context that you're presenting within. Hmm. This brings about a thought which I it's it's at the forefront of my mind and it's part of my endeavor with this podcast is like how do you appeal to the masses and how do you bring dance to the people in a way that they're gonna understand mm. I would say that the people already have dance and we don't need to take mm. our aspect of it to them right because they already do it when they win lotto or when they go yeah. to the club yeah. or yeah. when yeah. they're yeah. at a wedding I'm riding that way with you so dance is everywhere dance is everything life yeah. is dance but what yeah. I do and I'm interested in is not that and is not everywhere and is not everything mm. and is not interesting to all people just because it has the same word means that we haven't differentiated the language, but it doesn't yeah. mean that it is not a differentiated yeah, yeah, yeah. form yeah. and mode of inquiry and hierarchy of authority on who can speak on it and who has experience yeah. within it. Well, maybe we could get to a place once again where they are one in the same because I think the more experience the people have mm. of moving themselves mm. the more fascinated they'll become with this whole other side of it that where have you seen a movie called Shaolin Soccer nah okay it's excellent should definitely everyone listening should watch it and there's a dude who learns Shaolin um, mm -hmm. the martial art and he decides to get all his brothers back together because they learned it when they were kids and form a soccer team and they use all of their, you know, like iron fist technique or whatever mm -hmm. for soccer. And he is coming from the same place but with Shaolin that you're talking about now with dance. Right. In that um, everybody's lives would be improved. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if they had Shaolin <laughs> pathways and training and grounding and basis and meditation yeah. um well i i don't want to um ignore the, the probably the most <laughs> <laughs> i believe the most important part of all of this is that the dance that lives inside of us yeah. is something of pure joy yeah. and freedom and the fear that we have cultivated in this um, world we're living in stops uh, stops us from being able to dance. And so I guess at the moment I'm less engaged in uh, the people understanding our professional world of dance better. I mean, that is that is great and that's a great goal. But more than that, it's like, getting everyone to scrap this idea that moving your body is something to be ashamed of or isn't that um got but that's quite uh profitable for a spectator based industry mm. like you definitely only want i don't know how many right. people are on the field 10 15 i don't know how many are in a team you only want that many people playing because then you can sell $40 head tickets to 10,000 yeah, people yeah, to watch hundos. them. But 
maybe that's why people like football so much. Is people like it they because they grow up with and it they, and they get told to like it. Yeah, I mean, there's a whole. I'm certainly not saying that it's good, but there's a reason that it's. It is the way it is, and it. It's simple and it's but a, I, what uh, I mean is that it's pay it pays of a, yeah yeah it's I know set up saying. to be a spectator sport as is yeah, yeah. X Factor as is the voice yeah and that's why people sing in the shower and not at, you know and and it to relies upon people believing that we are different and that we're not all the same do and you we're feel, all that there's yeah. people more talented and more yeah. important than we do are. you think you're more talented and more important dancer. <laughs> Because you've definitely put in more work. Oh, I no, no. I'm just trying to make a a career for myself. I guess I don't know. I I couldn't answer that. Maybe I do think that. Maybe I, think I do, it, but I don't want to admit it. In relationship to that, in Australia, it's illegal for you to install your own wiring in a house. At 240 volt, you can do 12 volt on your car. That's not illegal unless you're an electrician, unless you're a certified electrician. Uh And so that means that that electrician has skills that they've learned through an apprenticeship, Mm. but they've put in time so that they are recognized as being at a different understanding of what this profession is. Yeah. And I don't think that what we do is different. And I think that the confusion comes on the end of that, we only have the same word dance that everybody else has for what they yeah. do as well. I think that's okay. where the confusion yeah, lies, yeah, but I yeah, don't yeah. think that we're not different in just in the fact of like having a profession and putting mm. in the training. And, yeah. And yeah. also having yeah. something else to bring. I think there's a literacy of, yeah, you need to remember what it is that you've done and what you want to do and where it came from. And the choreography is very rarely in the moves. The choreography is in the impulse or mm. in the focus. Yeah, this is really – this is a complicated matter. Fuck, there's a lot to say. I just think – I think we shouldn't stray too far from the sense of why we're doing this in the first place. Like, And being really honest with ourselves, like are you dancing because – it feels really nice in your body. Are you dancing because you genuinely want to make the people feel something or believe mm. something or agree with your message? Mm. Are you dancing because you want to be seen as a certain type of person with a certain level of skill? All these things, I think they get uh, conflated mm. uh, in especially freelance contemporary dance artists' minds of mm. – what their intentions actually are mm-hmm. and and fuck um hmm if you're not sure you can say it out loud and we can draft it together yeah uh so I, I guess I just hmm you don't want anyone to feel divorced or alienated from their own bodies yeah or you're not thinking about that at all what am I thinking I've lost what I'm thinking about but it's something to do with considering ourselves as artists on this pedestal that 
is deserving of greater acclaim than it currently gets. Uh, I think. I, I would see ourselves as artists in the service of rather than on a pedestal, mm. if that is helpful. I would say the yeah. differentiation is there in the same way that um, a lawyer is in the service of the law or the client or mm. whatever and in the same way that a drummer is of the service of the yeah. band that needs it to keep them all together. Mm. But all those things have clearer intentions than dance does. What are we in the service of? You know, a band are, may be in the service well, of making you feel you, cool. What are you in the service of? What am I in the service of? Yeah. I think I'm in the service of trying to lead by example and show people that it's okay to move around your, with your body. It's okay to lie down in a park and put your arms in the air without everyone around you going, what the fuck is that person doing? Like that's a weird thing that we've gotten ourselves into. Yeah. You should be able to dance in a park and have no one. Uh, freak out about it. This is why Tommy, fucking, oh my God, Tommy, what's his name? Tommy. Oh, I can't get, I can't get this wrong. Um, <laughs> Do you want to look it up? Yeah, X Factor. Oh, fuck. He's <laughs> one of my biggest inspirations in the world. Um, two seconds. Tommy. <laughs> Tommy Franklin, Tommy Franklin, Tommy Franklin. Do you know Tommy Franklin? Okay. Well, look up Tommy Franklin. Okay. Uh, this is why I think he's the, he's the fucking best. He's the best. I just, yeah, I think my ultimate goal, aside from the obvious one, which is in a very masked way to get myself and my ego stroked by having my own show and all of the rest or what I've wanted my career to be, which is like something in media or hosting something that aside, the other goal would be to share dance with the general public. Okay. Cause I think that's where it's at. Like the joy is in the dance, man. The joy is in like the rhythm and yeah. sharing and, the amount of joy that I've gotten out of dance in my life. And heartache. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't think – my proposal is the general public doesn't exist, that there are multiple overlapping publics who have interests mm. and some people are interested in some forms of some dancing sometimes. Uh, Not a whole lot of people though. No, but that's fine because not a whole lot of people are interested in model train sets, but some people are very yeah, interested. Yeah, yeah. But some people could be interested in dance and they just don't know it yet because the football's be on the telly. some people could be interested in like model train sets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But they just do their thing and but they like, have their imagine community. Imagine what a great world it would be if we watched breakdancing battles and like went, well, like we went for our star player as if they were oh, the people okay. doing the football, dude. Mm. Well, I like think... That's my, that's my dream world. Yeah. 
Um, I am more excited that dance is less competitive and monetized than other forms of elite physicality because it leaves us more space to function as a collective mm. under the umbrella of a shared passion rather than yeah. as competition. This is slightly dangerous though, I think. I think that the fact that we have this kind of unpoliced league of our own <laughs> yeah. means that the system can be horrendously Gross. corrupt. It is. And the I people agree. who are at the top of these big companies making heaps of money, yeah. uh, manipulating their dances, yes. overworking, yeah. underpaid, yeah. all because they love it. And that's disgusting. That's true. And that's also a part of the reason why I'm making this podcast in some distant sense is yeah. that I believe in my heart yeah. that I love dance and yeah. I love movement, but I don't love the industry and the way that the joy of dance yeah. has been twisted and manipulated into this system where people are being taken advantage of. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. But then that's industry. Yeah. And that's a different thing. Then were it more popular and policed, would it happen less? I like that's why just, I think the torture is We're just talking about so industry in general. Real for dancers is because it is a form of industry that is so unknown and the people that you might want to confide in would be like, Well, why are you doing it in the first place? Like all this pain and suffering that it's giving you isn't a common one. I think some people still feel pain and suffering from being a plumber. Yeah, yeah. And that's why they have to, like, concreters, I'm sure, go through a yeah. lot of pain and suffering. Yeah. And that's why they get drunk every day. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. And, like, the body yeah. gets used. Yeah. But I want to go back to yeah, wait, maybe wait, wait, wait. <laughs> replacing this <laughs> idea of that you make shows to stroke your ego and propose that on... Maslow's hierarchy of needs you're just becoming like you're lucky enough we are both lucky enough I'll speak for myself I have been fortunate enough through many histories of people who are not to be at a place where I'm fed and safe mm. and have been stimulated and supported yeah. And now what can I do with that how can Absolutely. I become the full potential that I have been yeah. told that I yeah, have yeah 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 and that is not – and to be less than that is to do a disres disrespect. That's nice. I like that so a lot. So I have to make these shows and ask these yeah. questions and That's cool. run that's this That's really cool. Because, yeah, I had that thought myself and that's why I started putting videos on Instagram because it went very against my idea of – who I shouldn't be a person sharing videos of myself dancing because that's egotistical. But then a very fantastic dancer who I idolize a lot, her name's Emma Portner, mm. she puts up a kind of diary of her training. And, you know, it will be it at a point like a few years ago she was uploading every day just a little video from her improvisation. And I appreciated those so much and they inspired me so much. And I had the thought that if 
I could do that for anyone else who watched my videos, mm. even one person. It's all worth it. And it would be a tragedy if she was to take her videos down because they've fed me and educated me and maybe that is a responsibility if you have the chance to do it. And then this all comes down to gratitude as well, which Mm. I think is the most important thing of all. And despite my outward hatred of different things all around the place, it comes from this Mm. seed of gratitude. And my favorite artists and most passionate people that I see around the place, I'm going to name a few. So uh, Jacob Collier, Grimes, Imogen Heap, uh, Kevin Owlin, Paradox, the street dancer, Ian Eastwood, um, Lucy Vallely and Easton Blake and uh, um, other musicians. There would be so many. There's so many more. But people that inspire me are the people that, for me, exude gratitude and passion and a love for life. And I like to think that anything that I that I uh, hate on, the reason has something to do with a lack of gratitude. Would you say that that's your biggest hope for the way that you approach working with people and making work and thinking about what it is that you do and continuing to train and reframing what journey it is that you're on is, is to find and share gratitude. Totally dude. Totally. And I'm nowhere near that at the moment, but I hope to be. And actually, as you said that, I remembered one more person who inspires me Mm. infinitely, and that's Emma Watkins, the yellow wiggle, Mm. the new wiggle. Well, she's not that new anymore. She embodies this person that I dream of becoming, Mm -hmm. like that in my heart I think of myself as this fucking woman full of incredible responsibility, energy, solely positivity, wearing a a long flowy yellow dress and smiling all the time and quietly certain. But I am none of that at the moment. Like inside, I think, I guess I am. But I hope that I can, (laughs) I guess, retrace my steps and, and do a reverse pathway down to that. You know, like you say, Russell Brand has taken this turn towards uh, a more calm and meditative human. That's where I hope I get. But I feel like I've got all of this, like, chaff to get through before I can get there. Yeah. Maybe that's what being young is. That's a bit of an excuse, but I feel like my energy takes me into this persona that I don't even maybe identify with sometimes. 
I mean, I can't be anyone other than myself, eh? But no. no, good luck trying. Like, I think I'm. I can be vulgar and I can swear a lot. And I, as I said to you, I feel like I'm abrasive. But I have a deeper desire to not be like that at all. I'd love to be like calm and positive and full of, you know, like when you see the Dalai Lama um, laugh. You know, if if something stupid is said to him or, you know, he's contemplating some kind of event that's going on in the world and he just goes, mm-hmm. I wish I could be like that. But I'm the person who goes, but ah, I want to talk about it mm. and break it all down and destroy it, analyze it. If I can get to a point where I'm more objectively sitting there and able to just smile and laugh, that's peace. And that's the hope. Nice. Yeah. Well put. Is there anything I haven't asked you? Like any epiphanies or any insights or Oh mate. No, I you don't get have to? any fucking insights. I don't think. Um Yeah, don't take anything I said very seriously. I'll probably regret it tomorrow. Um That's the price that you pay for growth, right? That your future self cringes at yeah. your past self. Yeah. And if it doesn't, you haven't grown very far. Yeah, that's cool. Mm. That is cool. Yeah, I hope I don't uh, offend anyone. Mm, I, it's okay to offend Maybe it is people. okay. Yeah. Thanks, Jess. Thanks, Matt. I had a really nice time. I hope you had an okay time as well. Well, no, I hope you had a wonderful time, but I doubt that you did. I don't doubt it. This is what I'm talking about. See, if I could just be silent, then I wouldn't say any of the stupid shit I say. It took me 30 years to realize that I could think something without saying it. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But sometimes, actually, I can't think through something without saying it out loud. Hmm. And that's a great value of discussion with peers. Yeah. Well, I did do uh, a Vipassana course, the 10-day silent meditation, and that changed my life. And I remember at the height of that experience, I thought to myself, I'm just never going to speak again. I feel like a better person already and... And so much of what I say is not what I mean. It's not true. I'm just talking shit all the time. To fill the air or because you're awkward or? I don't know. Hey. Okay. Uh, is this the wrap up you were hoping to do? Well, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That we're getting to a wrap up. But yeah, I'd highly recommend that, that course to anyone. Sounds who, extreme. It, it's fucking extreme and I'm extreme. Yeah. I am as my friend Felix in Barcelona described me as a self-sourcing pudding. Delicious. It's just too much. It's just, and sometimes, yeah, he would say to me, you need to like turn down the pudding, like stop sourcing the pudding. There's too much sauce in the pudding. And I'm just, I'm intense. I'm extreme. I like things in big chunks. I like to like, Cry and Do you know that salt is more salty the finer it is, not the chunkier right, it is? Right, right. And also, yeah. it's, intensity is subjective. 
but um, that that's not just subcultural, that's cultural and embodied and changes over time throughout history. Languages are different, different sibilances, <laughs> they travel differently through space. So. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, this could open up a whole lot of conversation. Okay. Next time. Yeah. Thanks, Jess. Thanks, Matt. <laughs>